that there's no hope without Jesus. But I want you to know that the hope for tomorrow is found in Christ Jesus. And the hope for a better day is only found in one place. It's not found in your own life, with your own purposes, with your own plans. It's going to be with Christ in your dreams, Christ in your hopes, Christ in your plans. So I want to show you this, Proverbs chapter 21, verses 20 through 21. Now, Lord, we ask you today, I ask that you would bless these, this moment, that I can become the oracle of heaven to your people, that I will speak just very precisely the very things that you would have uh, my dear friends to hear. Also, minister your grace to me so that I can receive exactly what you have for me as well. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says in verse 20, there is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. Now, you can see some of my notes in here because I have a, a, a determined place that I want to go. But I want you to note that Jesus tells us in, in his teachings to us that your life in Christ Jesus is like you coming up to a field that is filled with treasure and you sell everything within your life to purchase that field because you know that your future is in that field. Amen. So you purchase it. You give your life for the future that you'll find in that field. And I believe that this is a, uh, an example of that, that the treasure that you desire is in the dwelling of the wise. So what I want you to note is I put that desire, if your desire is not based on fantasy, but your desire is based upon the principles of the word of God, desire calls for restraint. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, I think that holiness is easier than what we think. In many occasions, holiness is based on a book of rules. It's how you look, how you act, how you respond. It's, it's based on a lot of things. And the kingdom of God is really based upon your pursuit of Jesus. So the treasure to be desired is a destination. For an example, when any of you go on vacation, you mark your spot. You know where you want to go. In order to get to that very location, you will do a search on travel. And the travel will tell you specific roads on how to get there in the shortest amount of time. And if you want destinations in between, it can plan a bunch of cool stuff for you, but you're still going to go to one spot. But of all the roads in the world, you can only travel very few roads to get to that destination. You understand that? So as believers, you just can't live like you want. You just can't do what you want to do. If you want a desired outcome, the wise have a purpose and a plan on how they get there. And a part of it is that they have oil in their plans, and that oil is the Holy Ghost. It's the emblem of, of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will give you wise wisdom in this joint travel plan that he has for you. Now, what I think is pretty unique is that the, when the Bible says this treasure to be desired is in the dwelling of the wise, it means that the valuables are safe in the home of the wise. 
Now, what could be the, the valuables? The valuables of what I want to present to you today are your dreams that come from divine direction. I'm not talking about fantasy. I'm talking about divine dreams that come by the stand, from the standard of the scriptures. When you're sitting in church, you're hearing the word, and you're inspired by something you see in the scriptures, that's something that you should give probably more attention to. When you're home by yourself and you're studying the word and you're looking through things and you hear a voice that speaks to you from the word, you need to look into that. All these things are destination indicators. They tell you how to travel this road to get you to the place of great fulfillment in your life. But the word says, but the foolish man spins it up. In other words, he gives no value to what he has. He takes no time to really treasure the word, the insight, the things that are going on around them that are really God-given. So they just waste it. But it, the next scripture says, but he that followeth after, he that now directs his path after that which is right, mercy living, finds life, finds righteousness, finds honor. So in other words, once you set your path to go in this direction, to get to this destination, you'll find it. Isn't that great news? That if you set your path to go after righteousness, you will find it. If you set your path to find mercy, you will get there. You're anointed to do these things, but you got to travel on his roads. So listen, at any point in our lives, we know this, that if you want to have any desirable outcome in your life, there's going to require some disciplines. And that's why I said last week, we have to stop giving ourselves permission for sloppy living, sloppy thinking, sloppy meditation. Your thought life should be more directed than just having fantasies run through your mind. So I want you to determine a distinction between fantasy and purposed meditation. And I will challenge you because we have never really disciplined our minds to get the outcome of heaven inside of our being. You're going to find that proper meditation in the scriptures is not as easy as you think. It is much easier to fantasize because it requires no discipline. It requires no discipline. But if you want an outcome, you have to purpose yourself to get there. So for those who search for what is right and kind, they will find it. And it's called life. And it's the glorious life. So here's the point that we're, we're really going to try to dig into for the time that we have. Is that the lovers of Christ, gonna ch they're going to chase after something. You're going to give your thought life to, your desires to, righteousness. And then all of a sudden, you're going to find something. You will develop dreams, treasures that come from this field. But if you'll be a lover of Christ and you'll chase after righteousness, you'll find that your dreams will come true. Your dreams that come out of the Spirit of God will come true. Listen, if, if your thought life wasn't important, why does this word always tell us to transform the way that we think? Because every sin that any of us have ever created, it all began with a thought. It began with an image. It began with something that I wanted, so I chased it. And then if fantasy can cause you to have that dream fulfilled, how much more does the Spirit of God? 
I'm serious. If fantasy can cause you to fulfill your dream of sin, how much more the Holy Ghost when you start thinking about the thoughts of God in His purpose for your life? So Christ requires that the believer be wise and harmless and purposeful. And I want you to take note of the next thing I put. Holiness is not dull, but adventurous. See, the more that you dream the thoughts of God and you begin to meditate on the outcomes of heaven, then all of a sudden you'll begin to see how this is a huge adventure. Holiness is not trying to keep you away from something technically that we call fun because the Bible says that sin has pleasure for a brief moment, but the end is destruction. This is doing something that will cause your adventure to life be, it'll be forevermore. Now, I know that in many cases we, we all shout, and I do too. I sit in messages, and I, and I think I, I really do have a full grip on it. And the further I go down the road, I realize that, man, I, I really do have a lot of work to do. I really do. Like at times in my life, like especially at nighttime when Ray and I get in bed and it's quiet, I really do my best to like really focus in on beginning to think the thoughts of God and beginning to like go through the gate called Jesus and go to the holy place in him and begin to worship him and thank him. And all of a sudden, little, the littlest things can break that moment of worship by a distraction. I mean, last night I was on a go, man. I was, I was, I was flow, I was flowing and going, and all of a sudden a text message, and just broke it. A simple distraction, a phone beeping, broke it. And how often is that that way with all of our lives? We catch a flow, and then all of a sudden one distraction takes us off course. God help us from these, just deliver us. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, he says, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. I want you to know Jesus says, I'm sending you as sheep in the midst of a corrupt culture. So there's a lot of things that are coming at you all the time. There's a lot of thoughts, a lot of images, a lot of perceived ideas but you have to be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. In other words, you have to be alert of the seeds of evil thinking, but yet you have to be moral at the same time. Amen. You want to know how to change a nation? Be a moral people. And that's the attack that's happening on our country right now in this generation. It's the, it's the breaking down of morality. It just, it's a blur. Like, what is right, what is wrong? What is true, what is false? So that means I can do whatever I want to do, when I want to do it, and I still have the love of God. True, you do have the love of God, but, but what, are we, what are we setting off course? I just want to be more purposeful. I'm just going to speak to you from my heart. I don't want to play games no more. I want his presence. I want the fullness therein. I want to know what it is to live from a place of glory, not always chasing it. But I want you to know that in this world, and if you would just take an account of the images within your life, there's a lot of vulnerabilities in your images right here. That's why you're afraid. Remember we talked about last week that Oreb and Zeb, those two 
principalities that were in the days of Gideon, all they were were images of fear. And so what we find is that there are a lot of vulnerabilities when you live amongst the wolves. The wolves are really wild dogs. They're crafty, they're greedy, and they're ravenous, And they're very shrewd. But the Bible says these images require that you be more shrewd. You have to be very sharp. You have to be like eagle eye. You have to critically examine and discern what's actually happening around you and yet remain harmless. <laughs> this is how Jesus tells you you got to live. You got to live holy and harmless, but very aware of your surroundings. See, the powers of darkness take on all kinds of forms of intimidation. By identifying with the dark and greedy and the cruelty of this world. I heard a prophetic word the other day and it was quite troubling because uh, it said this. And I don't know what it, what it really means and I don't think they did either because they didn't give any explanation. But they said what they're going to try to unleash on the human race in the real near future is cruelty beyond anything you can imagine. You say, why would they do that? Because they're fighting for a position of power. And I'm not just talking about local governments. I'm talking about global governments. Now, I don't want to scare you. I'm just trying to bring you into reality. There's a bunch of nasty folk out there. And they've worked a long time to get into positions of power. But it doesn't change who we are. We're still the body, the existence of Christ in the earth. And there is no power greater in the earth than the body of Christ. But you can't think like the world. You can't reason like, like Orb or Zeb. You've got to reason by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You've got to think from His privileges, not from the world's brokenness. I think that was a prophetic word. You have to think from His privileges, because I had no intentions of saying that. Sometimes I speak better than I think. Yeah. But I want you to know that all of these images create fear-filled expectations of brutal confrontations and horrible outcomes. Think about it. What causes you the most danger in your life is the fear that you're going to die. Because every fear is connected to the fear of death. Every fear that you will ever face will always be connected back to being afraid of death. And so what Satan does is he brings these images of fear and destruction. And if we don't know how to overcome those thoughts by the Spirit of God, you become captive to thoughts and then your body begins to respond to it. You know that your body responds to anxiety in a bad way? You know that there's a lot of physical ailments that take place, if not all physical ailments take place because of the tyranny that goes on in the mind, then, then it manifests in your body. And then they try to medicate us with medicines that only really gloss over the problem because I've never changed my insecurity within myself. I've never really become secure in Christ Jesus if I really became focused on my identity in Christ Jesus, a lot of these issues would go away. All right. 
So you say, well, what's the hope? Well, of Christ. Jesus is the hope. That's why every one of us are to wait in and with expectation for our salvation. And we're to wait in joy and full confidence. Now you say, well, what does wait mean? Well, I'll just give you one example that's on the forefront of my thought process is that when we were in this building process, I could not figure out how to attach those half columns to a piece of steel that's behind them or make those pretty ornate tops fit. I just couldn't, like, couldn't fathom how to do it. So it was kind of late, early afternoon. I said, you know what I'm doing? I'm going home. And I'm going to just give a little bit of time to the Spirit of God. And I went home and I just got before the Lord. I said, Lord, I need wisdom. Before I woke up the next day, I had a solution. And it cost me just pennies on a dollar on how he told me to get all that connected to the wall. And it just works. He said, what's the significance? The significance is you have to wait in expectation that dreams of deliverance are going to come. You're going to have thoughts. They're going to come by the Spirit of God. They're going to give you answers to the dilemma that you're faced with right now. Right now, you don't have the answer. That's why you can be afraid. You can be afraid because the reality seems so real that if there's no deliverance, I die. But the truth is, if I wait on God in faith, believing, he always has an answer. And anybody who's ever had a miracle will always know they saw something, they chased it, and the manifestation was the power in action on them and in them. The woman with the issue of blood, 12 years dealing with something, but she saw within herself the answer, and so she pressed through a crowd that she was not legally able to do, touched the hem of his garment, did what she saw, boom, got delivered. But she saw it. And she pressed for it. And she did it. And it was just a touch of obedience. And she got her answer. So the children of God should never be afraid of the most powerful enemies of this earth. Those who love the Lord make the worst, most powerful enemies afraid of them. So what do you mean? Your dependence on the most high God clarifies where your trust is. It's not in their evil report. Your trust is in the Lord, and that terrorizes them. The more that we can get this settled, I promise you, you become a wrecking ball to the forces of darkness. See, it's in Christ Jesus. It is Christ Jesus who really makes the wicked and the demons afraid. You see, it's by your moral influence on this culture that a world has changed and overcome. You see, we travel narrow paths of resistance because we travel with a determined destination. I want more of him. So if it requires me to travel Highway 90, I'm traveling Highway 90. Oh, okay, well, Highway 90 is maybe not the best. So I'm going to travel the highway called forgiveness. I'm going to travel the highway called repentance. I'm going to travel whatever highway because I have a destination that I must arrive at. And listen, when you get to that destination, get ready. There's another destination coming because this is a journey of adventure. So, Rachel, I was playing around with my, phone, my, my ring right there and somewhere it flipped off. So we got to discover it. I'm still married to you, baby. <laughs> 
<laughs> Gotta let the girls know, because the more they'll come in here, they just, they're, they're, they're wild, man, with these vacuums. They'll suck it right up. So everybody say, there's no hope without Jesus. Now in Psalms 115, verses 11 through 12, or 16, excuse me, we see this. Ye that fear, ye that are morally reverent, there's a restraint on your life. You fear the Lord, and you trust in Him. And because you trust in Him, He is there to help and there to shield you. Amen. <laughs> See, when you travel these roads of restraint, I'm not looking at that no more. I'm not saying this any longer. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm changing my behavior. I'm not acting like the old man. I'm going to act like Jesus. All of a sudden, He just... There's this profound, because what are you doing now? I'm hiding myself under the shadow of the Almighty. It's not like all of a sudden he shows up for you. It's just that you come underneath his umbrella. See, the Lord has been mindful of us. He blesses us. He blesses the house of Israel. He blesses the house of Aaron. He blesses them that fear the Lord, both great and small. So there's nobody excluded. Everybody's blessed of the Lord that fears and trusts the Lord. So the Lord then, because you fear and reverence and trust him, he will increase you more and more. You're not going to get sick more and more. You're not going to be in pain all your life. Your children are not going to be uh, vagabonds in the earth. Your children will be blessed of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> I didn't write this stuff. That's your promise. But how much thought do you give to it? How much hope do you find in this promise? How much time do you give to meditate that Jesus died to give this to you? And you enter into that by thought. I know that what you see on the outside is a family that's lost, broke. I know what you see is death and destruction, hurt and pain. But that's what you see in the natural. But what are you supposed to see in the spirit that can change the natural? So verse 15. Ye are blessed of the Lord which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth... Hath he given to the children of men. So in other words, you really do carry purpose. You really do carry a lot of purpose. So let's talk about just for a moment or two about the imagination. The imagination is the power of the faculty of the mind by which you can conceive something. It forms ideas of things communicated to and by the organs of sense, or we're going to say by the spirit of discernment. So by the Spirit of God, now you could have the power and the faculty of your inner mind to conceive the will of God, to form His ideas, to have God communicate to you. And what your thoughts become is a representation of who you are. So if you want to know how far you've made progress down the road of righteousness, judge yourself. Look at your own life, because at that point you can judge your heart. See, your imagination is like the eyes to the heart. It gives you the ability to see. So your imagination is bad when it's fantasizing, but your imagination is super cool when it's being moved by the Spirit of God. So curious minds understand that discovery is never over. Or we can say spirit-led people understand 
that discovery is never over. It's only over for those who settle in Satan's delusional game and remain stuck in their present reality. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, it says, Above all, you take the shield of faith. You take what, it, what is required to bring evidence of those things that prove the unseen is real. You can't see it with the natural eye, but you've seen it in the spirit. So you take that promise of God and it's no longer just a dead letter in your life. You make it active in your life. You take the promise of God in your life and you meditate on it. And the Bible says, herewith you shall be able to quench all those other thoughts coming your way. How to overcome all these wicked imaginations. This is the answer. You take the shoot of faith. You take the promises of God. You don't allow the promises of God just to lay in your life as dormant objects. You pick them up as a part of your shield, the, the faith armor, and you put them into action. So you have to know that you're anointed to stand up against anything the devil throws your way. So stand with well-made weapons of the best material called truth. Stand with truth. Stand with righteousness in your mind. Think truth. Think on things that are right. Think on things that are peaceful. Think on things that are faithful. Think on the power of God to bring salvation. These are more than words. We have, though, to learn how to apply them. And to give you an example of that, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, we read the story of Joseph. Joseph is betrothed to Mary. They're going to be married. She shows up with baby. Can you imagine that conversation? I'm seriously. Joseph, I have to tell you something. I'm pregnant. What? But it's not like you think. What do you mean it's not like you think? The angel of the Lord showed up. He gave me a word. And now I'm carrying the Messiah. Sure. Of all the people at all times, you're it? Come on. And I'm sure Joseph at some point goes, oh my God, I have to get... I, you know, if you just think about the way we respond to things, it's like, hold up, I got to get away from this for a second. He moves over here, and the word says, while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, Thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. But the angel of the Lord showed up when he was thinking on these things. See, they knew the promises of God. They had spent time, they had been trained looking for the promised Messiah. Then all of a sudden, he's here? And you? And I'm to help you bring him? And the angel goes, yeah. All that reality came to pass while he thought on the things that were happening around him.
That's why I'm asking you today, go back to the Word of God, the things that have stirred your heart, and get involved in them again. Pick them back up. Now I know I'm going to tell you something that's going to seem kind of silly, but it's something the Lord showed me. He says, what's the earliest thing that you can remember that I showed you about your life? And I didn't know. I didn't know. So at that moment, he says, and I had the thought, I'm standing on the 50-yard line in the Louisiana Superdome, and a thought comes to me at the age of 16 years old, what it would be like to preach to this Superdome filled with people? And the Spirit of God says, what makes you think that that wasn't a part of your purpose? You just always wrote it off as if it was nothing. All right, so will I ever have that opportunity? I don't know. But you know what? I'll never know if I don't pick it up and put it into practice. And one day if I ever get that opportunity, you're going to say, I remember when Pastor talked about that. That's the furthest thing from my, my, my ability to do any of that. I can't even see right now any football stadium being taken over for anything else but football. But right now we know that there's enough prophetic word in the earth that when the great move of heaven happens in this earth, football stadiums are going to be taken over for churches. And revival is going to happen in these big gathering places where you normally have 100,000 people shouting for a football game. And all of a sudden now you have 100 plus thousand people shouting for the king of glory. All right. So I'm going to cut it off right there. Maybe I'll pick it up next week. We'll see. But I want you to know something. You don't have to be afraid of nothing. The only reason you're afraid of anything is you give too much thought to destruction. You believe too much that the bad report is more real than the good report. So I want you to stand with me right now. If, if...